Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan, and we are back with Howard Hutchinson. Well, I mean, obviously, that's what happened in the history of this country. Uh, We were under the thumb of a tyrant, the King King George of England. Uh, And one of the interesting things that helped us was the fact that he was in England. And of course, we were here in in the new world, so to speak. And in order for, there was no radio, telephone, telegraph, or anything of that nature. And if anything that happened here, it took took seven, 10, 14 days for a ship to cross the Atlantic Ocean. And of course, the round trip then was virtually almost a month. And some very smart people who were our founders thought that would be a good crucible in which to have a war of independence because the reaction time was pretty slow. And that's our good fortune that we had some brilliant people. My, I guess my favorite founding fathers are Samuel Adams and Patrick Henry. They were the radicals. They were the ones who took action. And uh, that's why I appreciate them. How about you? Um, I have what I consider a genuine love uh, for our founders. Uh, You expressed it properly. They were brilliant. These people And, uh, you know, I I look at us today, uh, our our citizens who are in their 20s are the same age as many of our founding fathers were. There were were a few elderly uh, people, but a great many of them were in their 20s. And... They could speak several foreign languages. They could read and write in several foreign languages. They understood the history, the global history. They understood uh, all of the philosophies. So when you think back on what these people did, the serendipity of having that group of people together in one place is phenomenal. It it literally is a miracle. 
And and I I believe that it was something that was destined by God. It was destined and predicted in in the in the Bible. Uh, we are we are called uh, to desire freedom and desire liberty. And God gave us all of that. And in the first time in history, a group of men sat down and said, we are going to give up all power over the people and recognize that every individual is endowed with those rights and they were created with those rights. Not some government creation. And that is phenomenal. The humility that it had to take upon them their, in their thinking to say, we do not want to rule. George Washington could have been king. And he said, boys, no way. There are going to be no kings here. There are going to be no dictators here. This is a country of the people. And the people are endowed with their rights and the government is prohibited from infringing on those rights. And we are back with Howard Hutchinson. That is so well said, Howard. Uh, and, and my comment to you is when it comes to their humility, it is evident that their humility came from their firm belief and faith in God. And that's why they were able to do that. They recognized that natural law rights are God-given, and they are yours by dint of your birth. And they said, how can I compare myself to the Lord? Uh, and that was the humility that led them to write our the Constitution for our, our constitutional republic, as well as the most important document, uh, the Bill of Rights, from which we are we have our individual freedom, our individual rights, and thank thank the Lord that it was written down. You can imagine what a mess we're in a mess now, but you imagine the mess if they hadn't written the Bill of Rights. At least that is a document which spells out for all time. These are the rights that these people have, and that's what makes us free. I agree. And ever since that founding, there, are been, there have been people on this planet who have dedicated themselves to destroying that concept. And it's manifested itself under the guise of fascism, socialism, Marxism, communism, and they have all ran up against that wall. The, the wall of people who are free, people who are slaves, do not fight very well. People who are free 
and who understand liberty will fight to the death to preserve it. And we did. We have. And we probably will again. And that's exactly where we are at, at this point, aren't we? You know, I, I can accept, and I think both of us agree that we can accept the differences in people. There are different differences in lifestyle and hopes and dreams and, and what they do. But when it comes down to how do you have a nation in which there is internal peace, you can only have a nation that has internal peace if the rights of every individual are guaranteed and expected to be eternal rights. Uh, and so what's happening now is we have people that we may or may not agree with their lifestyle or what they want or how they live. We could accept that. It's when they come to take away our God-given rights, our natural law rights, that is when the battle begins. No, oh, absolutely. And um, I was watching a program here recently and a, a veteran, a Green Beret veteran, uh, requoted uh, a statement that hard times generate hard people, strong people. Strong people make for peaceful times, and peaceful times generate weak people, and weak people bring about hard times. So we go through these cycles. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to go through the hard times, but it brings out the best. And that's what obviously that, that we need to work toward and hope for. I'm speaking with Howard Hutchinson, who is the executive director of the uh, Arizona, New Mexico Coalition of Counties. Their website, by the way, is aznmc.org. And we're talking about forest health, we're talking about the philosophy of our nation. Um, we're talking about global warming. And we're talking about the management of forests and how the management of forests and access to forests is intimately tied with our ability to own property and to be free individuals. So Howard, uh, we talked about um, climate change uh, and Realistically, um, in the past, uh, there have, as you mentioned, there have been species on Earth which have vanished. They vanished because they could not adapt to changing of the climate. So wouldn't it be wise for humans who do have supposedly intelligence, the ability to plan, uh, wouldn't it behoove us to be instead of trying to have the arrogance of thinking we can actually change climate change itself, wouldn't it be smarter for us to plan to adapt to climate change? I think so. <laughs> I knew you would. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Um, that was kind of a leading question, but I I, I, I understand, uh, and I've I've pondered that question uh, quite a bit, and you know. I, I've heard learned uh, scientists, genuine scientists, caution that we may be headed into another ice age rather than a general global warming and receding of the ice. So given that there isn't any surety in either direction, a wise person or a wise government would plan for both um, and be prepared to adapt to both. In the situation that we have with our national forest, uh, in the Southwest and in the Western United States, we may well indeed be headed for a mega drought. Uh, it's not unheard of. Uh, between uh, 11 uh, AD and 14 AD, there was a drought that lasted that 400 years. And the people had to leave. The people that were here had to leave because they did not have the capacity to store vast amounts of water or pump water from the ground. Uh, so they left. And the few that remained kind of scratched by. But all during that time, even, even after that, uh, when it started repopulating here in the Western United States, and to a certain extent in the Eastern States as well, they, those natives frequently burned their forest. The Eastern forest were regularly burned. Fort Smith, Arkansas, and I don't know if you've been to Fort Smith, Arkansas here in, in the last 10 years or so, is covered with trees. There used to be huge herds of buffalo grazing on grass in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And the reason was the Indians burned the forests. We had a, a situation a number of years ago, you might remember, maybe many of your listeners uh, or viewers would remember acid rain and acidification of our streams and lakes in the eastern part of the United States. A scientist that I talked to said that because the Indians burned the forest, it neutralized the, the rain that falls from the sky, which is naturally acidic, and kept our streams and lakes in a pretty good balance. 
simply because of all of that burning and that ash that neutralized the acid. Out here in the West, we had the mega drought, but the Indians burned regularly as well. And one of the reasons that anthropologists have looked at this and they said, well, what does the burning of the forest accomplish? Number one, it provides better feed for the animals that they hunt. And it makes it easier to see those animals as they hunt. It also makes it easier to see enemies approaching. So they had two reasons for, for keeping their, their forest uh, thinned out. Uh, they didn't know that they were making their streams and lakes less acidic. They just were doing it. Out here in the West, when the first European settlers arrived, it was said that in the Ponderosa Pine Forest, you could run a horse at a gallop through the forest with no problem. It was that clean. It was grasses and well-spaced Ponderosa Pine Forest. Today, you can barely walk through many of the forest. I lived in the forest over a 10-year period. I was in the forest 24-7 for eight of those 10 years. Thinning the forest, tree planting, gathering pine cones for seed, for, for propagating more trees. And at that time, we were harvesting timber. The contractors who harvested timber, we contractors who thinned the forest, we were required to be prepared to fight fires. And our equipment that we had was required to be put forward immediately if there was a fire in our vicinity. So the skidders, the bulldozers, the trucks, the personnel, we all had to have firefighting equipment in our camps that was isolated in a box that had to be sharp. They had to be prepared and ready to go. We had to have what we call piss pumps, uh, were full of water that you backpack uh, on. All of that equipment had to be in the possession of the contractor. So we were able, if there was a fire in our vicinity, the initial attack sometimes was minutes and we could put those fires out and fires that did get away because the forests were thinned, they laid down on the ground and generally did good. So, you know, we could still have good forest management, but now the idea has been put forward that it has to be preserved and that that natural condition in that snapshot 
has to be preserved forever in that snapshot. It, nature does not nature does not like stagnation in any form, in water, in the land, in the vegetation, and nature will take care of it, but not to our liking. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man, I get joy in everything. Everything, everything, everything.